Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Fascinating Nouns. Now, it's a close race, but we are still the galaxy's most trusted source for incredible people, places, things, and ideas. Now, as we arrive at this curious nexus point, we explore the strange, the unusual, offbeat, bizarre, intriguing, interesting, invigorating, quirky, quaint, quizzical, weird, wild, wacky, the fun, the frivolous, and the fringe, plus all the spaces in between. I am your host, Daniel J. Glenn. Now, we are going to get to our guest in a moment, but I wanted to give a quick shout-out to everything Fascinating Nouns. We got FascinatingNouns.com. Throw it www at the front of that if you did not know. Twitter, at Daniel J. Glenn. Facebook.com, backslash Fascinating Nouns. Pinterest.com, backslash Fascinating Noun. Don't ask me why. They ran out of characters. But we don't on this show. We don't ever run out of characters. As a matter of fact... There are several characters from the Marvel and DC Universe that I bet you were wondering what would happen if they got into a fight. Bam, bam, bam. That was my fist pounding together. Bam, bam, bam. Well, we're going to discuss that this coming Thursday on the first live ever episode of Fascinating Nouns. There are going to be two people on that show. Two, two, two. One of them, Dr. Michael Denon, the evil genius behind the shows The Science of Superman and Batman Technology. And then we got the superhero, the young upstart, Seek Donnelly, who's going to be on the show tonight. And he is a comic book historian. But that is not all. As a matter of fact, every single word that I used to describe the show at the beginning in my intro can be used to explain this guy. He's had so many different lives that I was blown away. You are going to be blown away by this interview because it is, it is going to be incredible. There's not even a word to describe it. I don't have a big enough vocabulary. My vernacular is so tiny. The, the, the amount of words that I am, have access to through my brain is so minuscule that I cannot even begin to give this guy the due credit he deserves. So let's just get right to it. Seek Donnelly, I want to thank you so much for being here, man. Oh, thanks for having me, dude. Well, you know, we're going to get to you in a second, but this is my podcast. We're going to talk about me for a quick <laughs> yeah. second. Now, how did I find you? Why are you here? It's kind of an interesting story to me because, um, quick plug for us, we are going to do a live show uh, this coming Thursday, the 12th of June, 2014, at 8 p.m. Uh, now, how that came to be was that I was looking for a comic book historian. There weren't a lot of Asian women available, and your name <laughs> popped up. And so in that, that's how I met you. You are a comic book historian. But through that process, and I mean this sincerely, I didn't tell you this before, you are one of the most inspiring people that I think that I have ever met. Um, your story is incredible. You are uh, ridiculously interesting. And we're going to get to comic books. There's a lot of stuff on the internet about you as comic books. But we're going to talk way more than comic books because you have so many aspects to your life that kind of blew my mind. You're a two-parter. You, uh, you might be a three-parter. How do you feel about that? As long as I can still be an Asian woman. <laughs> <laughs> well, we had one to make a three-parter easier. You know what I mean? Uh, so let's, let's talk about what's really important. I think the first thing on everybody's mind. Okay. Seek, what kind of name is that? <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, it's a weird one. S-I-I-K-E. Um, that's right, S-I-I-K-E. It's, mm. it's an old, old Gaelic word, and it means uh, victorious, from what I'm told. Really? Um, which is funny, because uh, I've been a loser my whole life. <laughs> so, <laughs> Easy. <laughs> except, I mean, I would say until recent history. Like, uh, I think I've found my stride, as it were, and it only took... Uh, an act of God to, to make me, <laughs> make me reach that point. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, uh, no, yeah. And actually what you said, that's, that's really nice. No, you haven't told me that before. And, uh, and I, it's, that's always, you talk about when people choke up on camera, whenever someone says the word inspiring to me or that I inspire them to do something, it always, uh, 
it feels good, but then it also leaves me in a spot where I don't know what to say next. Because how do you respond to that? It's such a nice thing to hear. Well, just keep doing inspiring things. I got to tell you, rambling on my podcast is not going to inspire me <laughs> nor anybody else. So let's, let's get, I'll, I'll pull it together, rambling. dude. Yeah, pull no, it together. No, 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 no. Jesus, come on now. <laughs> um, well, so let's let's hit the comic book stuff first. Okay. Because um, when we plug stuff, most of the things that you're doing um, and is comic book related. And so you, you, so you are my comic book historian on this show. And uh, how did that come about? Like, wh- what, what is it about comic books? Nerd, it's nerd stuff. Yeah, no, it, it's nerd stuff. And if, uh, if your listeners could see my apartment. <laughs> the one if they could see your apartment, <laughs> they would turn this podcast off immediately. Yeah, yeah, no, you got wow. a pretty cool apartment. I'm, I'm a comic book fan. Really quickly, yeah. he has uh, every single copy of, um, I can't, I'm drawing a blank on the name, the Spider-Man. Craven's uh, Last Hunt. Yeah, Craven's Last Hunt, um, Ace, what is it, Symmetry? Uh, Fearful Symmetry. Fearful Symmetry. And that, he has every single one of these. This, these are one of the first comic books I've ever seen. He's got them plastered all over his room. It's a pretty cool place, and I am t- actually tucked in a corner right next to his entire um, action figure collection. I feel right at home. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, go on. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, well, comic books were what I needed as a kid. Um, I grew up in a in a pretty tough home. I mean, like my mom loved me unconditionally and I would even argue my dad probably even loved me to a certain extent as well. His love was just a little bit more of a, a violent love and uh, and tough love. And so um, so I always wanted an escape. And I, I, I was a kid with asthma and I was a very indoors kid. And my mom, uh, after one incident where I, I got put in the hospital, my mom bought me my first comic books. Among them were Fearful Symmetry. And, uh, and from there, I just found this amazing escape from reality I, I at a young age I was very bored with our world and I was very fascinated with other worlds more fictitious worlds so that's pretty much what it is for me it, it's a it's a means of escape and uh, and because I've escaped in it my whole life it's become more reality to me than our reality so there's no escaping now from it no escaping from the oh. comic book world. Right, exactly. <laughs> you like it's like Cool World or like Roger Rabbit. Yeah, exactly. It's a lot. Exactly. I'm cool with those. <laughs> yeah, Roger Kim Rabbit. Hot. Yeah, right. <laughs> so, uh, from my notes, we talked, uh, you know, outside of the podcast, which is still canon in my my world. Uh, we talked about Batman '66, and you actually told me that that's what they call the Batman series from 1966. Yeah, that's uh, that's kind of like the newer the newer name for it has been a uh, Batman '66. Just to kind of help differentiate it from uh, from some of the other Batman universes that are out there, and I'm glad it's kind of taken a resurgence because that was definitely the thing that I would say my generation made fun of the most. Even though I am like you, I grew up with that stuff. Uh, I lived in Greece when I was a kid, and Greece was about 10, 15 years behind on their television programming. And Batman '66, the Adam West show, was was kind of the the cool thing to watch in Greece, <laughs> and uh, and and that was my first introduction to superheroes, like that and the Christopher Reeve Superman movie. Mm. So before then, I didn't know superheroes were, and even while watching them, I didn't know they were based off comic books either. Um, it wasn't until we moved back to the United States when I was about seven that I discovered uh, that they were, all you know, also comic books, and that was around the time the the uh, Michael Keaton Batman movie. Tim Burton came out. Oh yeah, the the only Batman movie. Oh right, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Oh, they did make a movie on. I don't. You probably saw it, the Batman '66 movie version. Oh, yeah. I've seen that. What you, you know, with the shark repellent and the yeah, <laughs> <laughs> opening scene. Because yeah. he has shark repellent, like manta ray repellent, jellyfish repellent. I mean, Batman's ready for anything. <laughs> anything, <laughs> especially back then. Yeah. So that was kind of your first comic book experience. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I mean, a first dip into the world of superheroes. Yeah. Yeah, and then it wasn't until I actually 
according to my mom, did something um, pretty heroic to her uh, that that led me to the actual pages of the comic book. Yeah. Um, can we talk about that, or you do you want to shy away from that, or do you? Uh, no, I actually didn't talk about it the other day. So yeah, we're good. I can talk about it. Sure. Because uh, I because when we were talking, I was taking notes. You told me kind of a you know a horrific story, but like a strangely inspiring story about how you got into comic books, and um, you know, and I don't know if the and I wanted to see if there was any link between that and and what's happened to you, you know, with uh, with because you you had a brain aneurysm as well, which mm -hmm. is what we're, we're going to get into, right. and this might be all connected into that. Yes. So, so let's let's talk about that story if you don't mind. No, not at all. Well, okay. So the um, when I was almost eight, I think um, my mom she bought me. I was infatuated with Superman and uh, and Batman, obviously from the movies. So she bought me Superman pajamas. And so I had like, you know, the blue shirt and blue pants uh, and they had like a red design, like the underwear was on the outside. Um, <laughs> and it didn't matter that I had that because I wore my red underwear on the outside. You know? Anyway, yeah. Yeah, it didn't. It was like, I was fashion. like, why is this design here? I got, I got the underwear part down. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, uh, and one night, you know, like my, my parents fought a lot and they were fighting out in the hallway and I heard um, the, it got, it escalated really quickly and it woke us up, me and my brother. And my brother was terrified, and I had this insane notion uh, to run out and try to stop them from fighting. And when I ran out, I got caught in the middle of it, and I got hit in the head um, with my father's, with the butt of my father's gun. Um, and it's it, his police issued yeah, his, revolver. Yeah, like, he was a cop. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. For, yeah, bearing the lead on this story. Yeah, come on um, now. <laughs> he, uh, yeah, he was a he was a police officer um, in in Biloxi, Mississippi, and. Um, and he, yeah, I got cracked really hard and that sent me obviously right to the emergency room, right to the hospital. And I had blood trickling down my, my head onto my shirt. So I had blood stain all over my Superman shirt. And so my mom went in and she just, I don't know. I mean, I, I can't, I can't speak for her, but I know it was, um, it put her obviously in a really weird spot cause she was worried about me. And the, I think the doctor recommended, well, why don't you go buy him some comic books? He's going to be in bed for a while. And she was like, comic books? And he's like, yeah, you know, like Batman's, he's wearing a Superman, you know, shirt. Like, wh why isn't he reading comic books? And so she's like, okay. So she went and found like a grocery store or someplace and uh, wherever they sold comics back then and, and picked up like some of the original Crisis on Infinite Earths, uh, the, like particularly the death of Supergirl um, and the death of the Flash in that series. Um, and then there was a, you know, Fearful Symmetry, which is the mm. Spider-Man story. And then uh, Uncanny X-Men 268, which is a Captain America Wolverine and Black Widow story. And I think that was the newest out of the stack she bought because um, some of those other stuff were like back issues. And she brought in that stack to me and I read them and was, like I said, I, I probably read each one about 30 times. And, uh, and it wasn't until a couple years later when Superman died the big image that was on the death of Superman billboards and everything and all the, the you know, the news, Newsweek magazine and everything was a bloody Superman S. And obviously that instantly made my mom think of that night of when uh, I wore a Superman shirt and had got blood all over it uh, from doing something heroic. And she, I think, knew at that moment that I was cosmically linked to comic books for the rest of my life. And I have been, luckily for me. I'm going to make a weird, um, you know, maybe... You know, I don't know if this is um, like an overdramatic analysis right here. Okay. But that is almost like the death of Superman story, where you have Doomsday and Superman, and they each punch each other and kill each other at the same way, time. At yeah. the same time, because in that moment, right when your dad hits you with with the with the gun, right, you go into the hospital, you're changed forever. Yeah. That instant, 
between your family and your dad mm. that has changed forever. Right. And none of it was for, well, for you it's for the good, essentially, because you wouldn't have any of this stuff today without all that stuff. I know that sounds weird. No, yeah, you're right. But what, but, and then in his side, I mean, it was the opposite, you know, he'll never be the same from a, I mean, at that moment, you've crossed a line that you can't go back from, right. turning you into the ultimate villain, um, you, right. you know? I mean, right. honestly, like, how yeah. can you hit a, a eight-year-old kid and put yeah. him in the hospital? Like, you can't come back from that. Sure. You know? Um, and that is essentially, like, you, that is true, like, you are the death of Superman, because then he comes back better than ever. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's You're a better good better than ever, at, see? I'll You're take better that. Better than ever. <laughs> yeah, I'll take it. Yeah. yeah. I'll take the win. Um, and, and but that is like a, it's an amazing story. And from that, um, now now was that I don't mean to move too quickly. We no, have so yeah. much to get through because no, yeah. your life is really packed. Was there because one of the fascinating things for me that we haven't hit on is you had a brain aneurys aneurysm mm -hmm. and you survived. Right. And but it profoundly affected your brain. Absolutely. And and I want to get to that in a second. But was there from the question I always had? Is there any link between that incident when you were a child and the brain aneurysm? Did that affect the development? Was there any damage? Um, potentially. Although if it was, it was never on any kind of record. Okay. Like, you know. Um, but I would. I can't see how it's not connected. Right. Like uh, my skull was a very fragile thing back then. Yeah. Uh, at that age. It's so we got get, a Play-Doh. Yeah. So to get hit with something as strong as metal, like it's like. No, it had to. It had to at least be the the seed that was planted, uh, and then from there I had migraines my whole life, and wow. then and so like the migraines never stopped. And my outlet for trying to get rid of migraines was like either caffeine or like I would exercise myself to exhaustion, to where I would physically wear myself out. Um, and uh, and then like it's and then to the point where when it actually finally ruptured, I was um, a PA out here in Los Angeles, and I was working like twenty hour days. You know back Wait. when. Back before they, I think they're a little, they try to be a little bit more relaxed on PAs now, I think. <laughs> At least I heard. Oh, um, you naive devil. Yeah, it's yeah, so cute. It's so funny. cute. I, mean, I don't PA anymore, so I, to all the PAs out there, I sympathize and I pray for you. Yeah. Um, but uh, but I worked some really brutal days, and, and, uh, and, and I think what happened was I just worked myself into a developing uh, aneurysm. So aneurysms are normally like genetic uh they come down they pass down from generation to generation or they skip a generation there's no history of it in my family at mm. all and so that's the only excuse the doctors and i could come up with is that it stemmed from that moment in time and built my entire life like the mm. the, the my brain dealing with the repercussions of that and then it then me physically working myself into a a stressful scenario where I wasn't sleeping enough and I was my brain was too active and eventually my brain just said I've had enough and uh, and that's when the aneurysm ruptured in 2010 so just just the, for the audience members who are not familiar with the brain aneurysm mm. I'll try to summarize it really quickly your brain has little blood vessels that deliver oxygen through that blood when those things uh, when an, a vessel erupts in your brain that is a brain aneurysm yeah yeah it's yeah it's kind of like a, a a clot almost in a way where it's like you know the, you have those pouches of blood and they're the tissue around them grows really weak um, because of the amount and the stress that's on them and then when they explode uh, blood is there's a natural flow to blood through the brain obviously so when something like that explodes it's like a levy breaking right and then when the whatever the blood flows over it could potentially uh, how uh, depending on how long it's there and before it gets cleaned or or any kind of relief drained, comes to it, right. or drained, uh, it could cause a lot of damage. Right. Um, so, yeah. so, and so this happened to you, and you because normally people die from this. This isn't like a <laughs> common thing that no. people. Oh yeah, brain aneurysm is cool. Yeah. yeah no, I, I mean, I, I'm, 
I'm surprised and and uh, before I didn't even know what an aneurysm was like it was like a joke that I think the Simpsons made once or something and you're just like oh, okay it's it's not something you think about then what I've learned is that more people are affected from brain aneurysms than certain cancers and you know and wow. and most people talk about cancer all the time but nobody talks about brain aneurysms and then the, also the thing with me is I'm not it's not genetic with me but it might be from now on like my kids and everything and so uh, so then what does that mean? Like, does that mean aneurysms are evolving? And does that mean we, because of the amount of stuff that multitasking most humans do nowadays, uh, does that mean it's, it's changing and can affect anybody as opposed to where before it was like a, a lineage thing? Well, so now I would have to, I'm, I'm not a medical doctor, yeah, me neither. but for the sake of discussion, <laughs> I don't know if because you've had one, it would change your genetic makeup, making it genetic to, the, to your offspring. That's potentially true, um, and and no one said it's guaranteed going to do that. Yeah. But but there's a possibility, um, and same with like and I've met other aneurysm survivors. So like you said, most people don't survive. I've met quite a few actually, uh, but a lot of the ones I meet, they didn't survive a rupture. Uh, they just they got it caught in time and had it you know. Oh, like removed. they knew it was swelling and right, like uh, right, and they either had it removed or had the coils put in to drain it. Good lord. Well, so let's talk about what. How did you? How did it happen? Like what, you were. So you're working these twenty-hour days. Yeah. And you're like hanging out with some some friends. Yeah. And all of a sudden. Yeah. I mean, light literally. Light switch goes off. Just like that. I was. Uh. I was. I just broken up with a girl, or she broke up with me. So it's her fault. No, not at all. She. Uh, put it on. What's her it name? It was just bad timing. <laughs> no. I'm not gonna. <laughs> just kidding. Um. Uh. No, I won't. It's put always that. a girl. I'm not gonna put that evil on you, Ricky Bobby. <laughs> <laughs> um. No, she, uh, no, so it was just timing. Like, I, I just mentioned it because it was timing. It was the beginning of my stre- my added stress. Yeah. So it was that, and then, and then, um, and then working so much, and then going from one job to the next. So then I was working two mm. PA jobs at the same time. Mm. Um, and so I would literally go from like one set to the other some days. And it, I was basically just trying to lose myself in work because I'm, I'm very, come from a blue collar family. So when we are stressed, we usually just work ourselves mm. to death. Um, and then, uh, and then, so then I went and hung out with some friends. I was complaining about a migraine all day. And my friends were like, well, let's, like, my friend knows I have migraine. So he was like, hey, let's go get you some food. And, and then we'll, you know, we'll, from there, like, you'll, maybe you'll feel better. Maybe we'll go see a movie if, if you're up to it. Or we'll take you home and then we'll go see the movie. So it was kind of supposed to be a guy's night. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and we go to dinner. Uh, I'm eating. Apparently I didn't eat a lot. And I was just sitting there complaining about my head. And then my, I, I asked my friends, I'm like, look, I'm going to go outside for some fresh air. So I st- apparently was walking outside, and on my way I was stumbling. So a friend of mine followed me out, and he said when he got outside, I was flat on the ground. Uh, face face li- down? Lights out. Wow. Yep. And so you, you got to the hospital in time. Yeah, we were two blocks away. Um, so got to the hospital in time. S- they essentially saved my life, but then they said, we found the aneurysm. It's in your head. Uh, or, it, or it was in your head. It's ruptured. Um, we need to do an immediate uh, procedure, and it's either going to be brain procedure, or we can do coiling, or we can try this new procedure that they had already tried on a couple other patients, uh, but they hadn't had long-term effects of it. So they were like, we could put you in this program like that, and and, and we can, and it, that way your medical bills, some of them afterwards, if we have a guinea pig program that will open up, it could essentially help you later on with bills. And I said, well, okay, that sounds like, I guess that sounds like a good thing. I was like, what, just what will save my life? And they're like, well, all three of these things will save your life. And they're like, but the complications of surgery, full surgery, could mean you'll be restricted to a wheelchair. You know, you might not be able to use half your body. You could go blind, like where, you know, where we have to operate. So, like, 
all these things like they're like we th there's complications and they obviously they weren't likely but doctors just always have to tell you the potential bad news um yeah so i you know i, I chose the coils and the new procedure which uh which started with a medically induced coma and and they put supposed to put me down for six days uh at the most seven so almost a week yeah almost a week um and then what happened was uh five days in i for unknown reasons still to now i just flatlined my heart gave up my brain shut down and i was essentially dead gone you were dead gone yep for, for how long about a minute um just over a minute wow uh, and then what happened was luckily i they resuscitated me and they woke me up and then by doing that they had to wait for me to fully come out and then they had to do the procedure started again from um, scratch five days in started from scratch and again. then started from scratch again do the six days again um and then from there when i woke up because there was complications because a lot of things went wrong um but essentially my life was saved uh, i had trouble talking and, and walking and so i spent a couple months going through physical therapy to kind of get those abilities back so, so this end. So you, you mean you made a relative complete recovery, which is yeah, unusual. Yeah, yeah I'm doing like really good now. Like there was, when I first moved back here to LA, it was like in 2011, and I, um, I got a job at 44 Blue as like a post production assistant, mm -hmm. and they had an elevator and stairs in their offices, and I took the stairs every day. One, because my physical, because I got a physical therapist out here too, um, but when uh, they, because the physical therapist told me like, take stairs, like you need to get it's good exercise for you not all the time but just do them as often as possible so when i was taking the stairs i had both hands on the railing like when i was walking up because i needed like to lean all the time because i had was probably when i moved back here um i mean i guess it was a while but i was i had a walker for a while too you know so it was so i was relying on that weight mm -hmm. um and so uh so yeah i had just, just had trouble like little things like stairs and um remembering where i put stuff you know like short-term memory was was affected uh, the aneurysm ruptured in my temporal lobe, so that's uh, visual memories. So a lot of times, uh, like uh, like faces are really hard for me to remember. Uh, mm. I usually commit everyone to memory by voice. Um, so that's kind of how I. Oh, interesting. Yeah, so I kind of get around that way and know people that way. So strictly by voice. Mostly by voice. Like I can remember details. Like like let's say like if you had tattoos on your oh. arm. I could remember that you had like a, 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 a mermaid tattoo on your arm, for example, if you had one. That's the example you yeah, use. I'm saying, I mean, not That's you, I That's the guess. example. <laughs> All right. But uh, I had a mermaid I'm saying, tattoo. <laughs> I'm just saying that would stand out. Okay. Yeah. Yes, it would. Yeah, right. That's a good call. Um, so, so sometimes I have to commit people like that, you know, um, uh, like, like at Harmontown, like I, like uh, Dan Harmon, I can, I can kind of remember because he usually speaks. So mm -hmm. like I can get him right away, but I can remember like his kind of description, like beard, you know, like uh, tall, like so many inches taller than me or whatever. Mm -hmm. Like I can tell like how I have to look at people. Uh, Jeff, his co-host is like, is always like, he's like six, four or whatever, six, five. Mm -hmm. And he's always wearing a suit. Mm -hmm. So it's like, I can, I can remember things like that. And, but I do get him wrong. Sometimes I'll go up to a tall guy in a suit and go, Hey Jeff, good to see you. And he's like, uh, my name's Kevin. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> all right. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So what else did it, because this is the part that kind of I really want to talk to you about. Uh -huh. Because, you know, you see, you read stories or you, you see movies and everything about people who, you know, your brain is, is functioning one way. Right. And then all of a sudden something happens and things that are natural are gone. Right. Like in your head, mm -hmm. there's a hole where like visual memory is supposed to be. Right. Like I've heard you say that you can't, 
Like you, you close your eyes, you don't see anything. Right now. Uh, you mentioned it's whistling between your ears. Like if you go, yeah, yeah. Like that's crazy to me because yeah. my mind is always like I'm a visual person. Right. All I see is pictures. Yeah. Like I remember faces, things, you know, like that. That's what I remember, and so I, that just blows my mind. Like, is that weird to you? I mean, do you remember like the type of person you were before this? Because I imagine it's changed you in fundamental ways. You kind of like in Total Recall. You yeah. Know? Right. Yeah. I mean. I mean. Uh, yeah. I definitely crossed. A threshold, you know, uh, but the, do I remember who exactly who I was? No, I don't. Like, um, I don't remember um, a lot of things. A lot of my memory was affected because of the visual sense. Mm-hmm. So, like, I may remember that when I was eight, I read my first comic, but I don't remember. I can't picture me sitting in a hospital bed wearing a bloody Superman shirt reading it. Mm-hmm. I just know the details mm-hmm. um, as words. So it's like so. So a lot of times, like when I talk, it's like I'm just reciting a script because it's like I just remember the words. Mm. Um, and that's why, like, like sometimes, like I, I've been interviewed and, and someone was like, oh, you talked about some dark stuff and you didn't cry. And I go, yeah, because I'm, I'm, my emotions aren't tethered to it immediately. Sometimes I will cry, but it's, it's, it's um, another area that was damaged was like um, was a mood, like a, um, oh, what's the word? Like emotional Like response. emotion. Yeah, emotion. So like, so sometimes I'll laugh when it's not funny. Uh, or I'll cry when it's not sad. Mm-hmm. Like so, those are some of the the aftershocks that I feel now. Wow. Um, but no, yeah, I have. Uh, but I was a visual person before. My mom told me that when I was uh, like eight or nine, after she and my dad got divorced, that I turned my entire bedroom into a level for Mega Man Two uh, that we talked about the other day. Oh uh, yeah, Crash yeah. Man. Crash Man. Yeah, <laughs> that was my favorite villain. And um, <laughs> and then I and then she told me I built uh, in third grade uh, a. a out of cardboard and paper, a, a, a representation of Metropolis with a moving tram on a, a paper track, and like and a and paper motor. How did it move? No, like I mean, you just had to push it, but oh. it, but it, it but it moved across the track and like didn't fall off track. Um, Wait, but it wasn't powered by electricity or anything. No, no, no. Oh, it's all weak. paper. Yeah, that's I know. Weak, I know. I'm not as smart as <laughs> in Mississippi. That's genius. Yeah, right? yeah I was gonna say, yeah. man, you must have been like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, everyone was like, uh, "What's up with the Rain Man over there?" And they didn't um, say it like that. No, they didn't, um, because they didn't know what Rain Man was. Yeah, it wasn't out yet. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, so you know, so I had stuff like so. I was a very visual learner. My mom told me I I, I constantly painted and drew and sculpted, and and I I was like a very hands on. You know, like I, I landscaped, you know, I did, you know, I worked at Blockbuster Video, like I worked at a video game store. Like she was like, yeah, everything you did had a visual element to it. So I imagine I am completely different now because I'm without that, yet I still love comics. I'm not as big a fan of movies as I used to be. Um, movies can be kind of exhausting for me. It's a lot of information to process. Mm-hmm. Whereas when I read a comic or a uh, Actually, not even novels too. I used to read novels all the time. Like I was a big R.L. Stein kid, and oh, because you can't picture it in I your head. I can't picture it in my head. Yeah. So oh it's, my god. So novels have uh, been kind of a bummer for me. Um, so it took almost it took your defining characteristic. <laughs> yeah. And eliminated it. Yeah. But yet you're still doing things in the artistic world. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I mean, what's I mean, I, I it's hard not to because when you meet other aneurysm survivors that are in a wheelchair or or you meet a family member who lost their loved one to an aneurysm who was an artist also, it's hard to not keep going because you're like, well, you, you almost feel like a representative in some way. Yeah. Um, even though if it's fair or not to like put that on, our, on myself, but like I feel like when I meet people and I see like someone go, oh, I used to be an artist, but I, I can't move my right side of my body anymore and I'm trying to learn on my left hand, but it's going to take forever. It's like, well, 
I have, I'm without visual memory, but I can still use both my hands. I can still figure things out. You know, like I, I can't, I can't give up. So I've been learning methods to still create art, even with the restrictions, because, um, because I could be in a position where I couldn't. And so to me, I don't look at it as like, um, I, I, I have a wall in front of me. Sure. But, but walls, uh, you know, if you have the right tools, you can knock a wall down. Yeah. Um, I mean, and I think that to me, that's like the most inspiring part is that, you know, most people, like if they were a runner and their legs got taken away, yeah. and most people just give up. But right. like there are people, you know, there's a, an Olympic hurdler who had you know, yeah. prosthetic legs. Yeah. There's people who do murder ball. You know, there's people who can take those things and, you know, completely redefine their life. You know, and you're one of those guys. I don't know if I'd have that in me. I don't know. I mean, if my silky smooth voice went away, like, <laughs> what would I do? <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, you would, um, you would come up with a cool YouTube video where you're doing sign language podcast. That's what it is. Yeah, it's visu- all visual. You wouldn't, and you wouldn't be a fan. You yeah, would <laughs> I, I would be like, well, I can't really follow this. <laughs> <laughs> um, Put subtitles in for me. Yeah, I got yeah. you. Know, I got you, man. <laughs> um, one of the things that you mentioned somewhere else that I just pulled from everyone else's interview. This is all this is oh, Frankenstein. Good. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't have any of my own original thoughts. I doubt that. Um, you were, uh, you said you were touched by the supernatural, and from what I know, I love like supernatural phenomenon, mm-hmm. and I believe some of that, some of the phenomenon comes from a real place. Yeah. And you know, not to get too weird on you, but you died. Yeah. You died, mm-hmm. and you came back. Mm-hmm. What's different from every horror movie I've ever seen? Hmm. There's something different. I mean, do you feel like you're touched by the supernatural in some way? Do you think, can you see reapers? Can you uh, tell when uh, someone's going to die? Is it going to be final destination? Is something going to come back for you? Like, what's, am uh, I, I, mean, am I gonna, in danger? <laughs> what's going to happen? No, you're, you're, I mean, you're actually the first person to ask me it that directly. Yeah. Um, so I'll give you the answer that when I tell people in my everyday life to get freaked out. Yeah. Um, oh, I love it. So another way I tell people apart from each other is that uh, people radiate a lot of people, not all people, radiate light. Uh, and I can, Auras. Yeah, basically. Um, and I can see that when I look at people. So um, so that's why, like, for example, I'll use Dan Harmon, for example, because I love the name drop. You're so dropping yeah, the yeah, Did just, you hear that? What's that noise? Yeah, oh, that's see dropping a name again. He gets a dollar every time I say something. No, I just like, he gets a lot of bad press. I like talking good about him. Well, I'll tell you, I quick side note love community yeah i love the show it's brilliant he has gotten a lot of bad press i don't know much about him i don't know either yeah. way um but i've heard him do a lot of good things i've heard him you know in the press do a lot of bad things sure all i know is i love community yeah community's great you should watch rick and morty his new cartoon i'm, so I'm going to um so plug dan yeah. <laughs> will you push this guy give him some money or something for oh he's sake. done plenty <laughs> um so the uh you know, so Dan, when I first went to one of his tapings, um, it was before they were podcasting it, so it was a couple years ago, and a friend of mine took me, and, and so we're sitting in the aisle, and I'm looking at him, and I can see the aura around him or the light he's generating, and uh, and his what he said matched his voice. I mean, matched his light. So, like, he was being honest is basically what I'm trying to... So, and once I saw that, like, he was one of the first people I could count on one hand that was like that when I moved back here to LA that I could just, their light matched their motives or their, or what they were saying, how mm. they felt. Yeah. Um, he was just brutally honest and whether I agreed with what he was saying or not, the honesty was refreshing. Mm-hmm. Um, because when I first, you know, like was trying to go through recovery, like I was around a lot of 
dishonest people, people that seem like they somehow wanted something from me, you know? And the doctor who's like, you're going to be fine. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. <laughs> like, and then you're like, wait a second. <laughs> wait, yeah, like, why? that doesn't match, you know? Yeah. Like, and, and it's it's jarring. So, like, for example, like, I, I, you know, at first I thought it was noise that was bothering me. Um, and But then I put it to the test one day because, I because like, friends would invite me, like, oh, do you want to go to a bar or something like that? And I would shut down, like, while I'm there. And I used to think it was because the noise was overbearing. Turns out I love the noise. Like the noise is what's getting me through it. The visuals are messing me up because I'm seeing too much auras at once, mm. too many auras at once. And usually at a bar, you're seeing a lot of dishonest auras uh, because uh, people are there to spit game on someone. Or, yeah, yeah, game. yeah, exactly. And so it's it's a really jarring visual for me. Um, and mm. as someone who only depends on his visuals when his eyes are open, uh, it, 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 it's uh, it's blinding too, you know? Yeah. Um, so, uh, so I would say that is probably the weirdest, most supernatural thing I've been through other than, um, in my opinion, and I don't know if, it, you know, uh, if, if I'm just hearing voices or not, but I, I feel like I'm, there's a communication with something, but I don't, I, I mean, I can't, I can't put a finger on it, but I, I feel guided when I, when I do things like I haven't made a wrong move really. I mean, I, if you consider like, like I can't pay my bills sometimes on time. I, I, it's like it's like well yeah. that in the grand scheme of things that's yeah. really not a problem to have, um, in the yeah. bigger picture thing. So, but I seem to be I seem to not make a wrong move uh, when it comes to the important stuff. And mm -hmm. I think that's for a reason. It's I think it's because I'm listening to a frequency that that people aren't hearing. Like angel radio, as they say, in supernatural. That's right. Yeah, exactly. Wow. So you and you really so you're guided by a feeling or instruction. No, it's it's not. A, I mean, yeah, I I can't rely on my feelings a lot of times because, like I said, I'll laugh at an appropriate time. Yeah. Um. So I rely on what I hear, and uh, and sometimes what I hear is like like I may re-listen to this podcast, and you may say something that I need to hear at that right moment, and mm. uh, and so I listen for stuff like that. So so sometimes it's not a frequency you can't hear. But sometimes it's uh, it's 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 something that everyone can hear. They're just not listening. Hmm. Well, I've heard that because I have a lot of people who are into the psychic realm, mm -hmm. and people whom I trust say the same thing that like anyone can do this stuff. Yeah, you just it's about tuning your you know uh, receptors. Right. You know, and, and I don't know how else to say that, but sure. tuning your reception into what you're trying to hear. Which is, you know, it's not like tuning a radio. I mean, it's it's difficult to do because it's a mental state you need to be in. Right. Um, way more difficult uh, to do than to say, but that the phenomenon's out there. And I've heard this from people who, you know, that I really believe that they have these abilities. Yeah, and, I, and I've met people who are like, you know, Buddhists or, 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 or um, one friend of mine who calls me a bodhisattva, which is a, in Buddhism means a like a spiritual... As as Matt Dwyer put it, another name drop. He, he Jesus, I know, right? Uh, and oh, I'll say Jane Cook because Jane Cook is the one who said this, who called me Bodhisattva, mm -hmm. who is a friend of mine who goes to Harmontown. Oh um, well, I played basketball with Kevin Suchihara, who's the head of <laughs> Warner Brothers, and uh, well, <laughs> I saw John Noble yesterday from Fringe. Yeah, for those out there, <laughs> nice. Um, John Jane Cook is is a really <laughs> extraordinary person because it's, sh you know, she's not a famous person. Yeah, it's it's just it's a it's a, someone who goes to Harmontown. I think Jane is fifty. Um, well, you can't. You can't. You're gonna blast out a woman's age on national. Well, here's the national thing. Here's the thing. I know, and I and I'm sure I'll be forgiven. But uh, Jane Tens is. Tens of people are gonna listen yeah. to this podcast. <laughs> Jane Jane's a man who identifies as a woman. 
Uh, and so, so I refer to her as she, uh-huh. um, and Jane is a, and Jane, but Jane's just an extraordinary person. And it's one of those things at Harmontown where like, like it, it's, it's getting past that, like, uh, that surface of the, the exterior of a person mm-hmm. and finding out who they are. And I think that's like the message in that podcast, whether mm-hmm. he focuses on it or not, it's about people being comfortable with who they are. And, uh, and that's what I like about um, about Jane and so when Jane called me a bodhisattva it was a it was like well that's good because you're someone who knows who you are whereas me I feel like I'm in constant search of what type of person I really am mm-hmm. um, because there's a disconnect there's old Sikh and there's new Sikh and it's like so so it so I'm do I continue just being new me do I try to connect with old me or do I find the middle ground where I'm both yeah. and uh, and and so like so bodhisattva means someone who won't you know like won't cross over won't go to the other side um until they know everyone they care about goes first hmm. safely yeah uh, those, those are the people you want i want someone yeah. making sure i get to the other side safely. yeah yeah so stick with me kid yeah, i got <laughs> i am going to yeah because the house is burning down you'll stay behind i'm not gonna yeah. get burned you're gonna help me out no of course man yeah i'll thanks. take the burn thanks man <laughs> you're welcome um, speaking of best buddies yeah. uh you have a dog named echo who you've oh, yeah. been said has saved your life Absolutely. So how did so who I'm going to quote my favorite bumper sticker. Yeah. Who rescued who? <laughs> That's a good bumper sticker. And I love it. Um I saw one yesterday that said um wag more bark less. <laughs> and I I'm a do- I love animals. I'm yeah. a big animal advocate. Yeah. Actually I'm putting together a show about animal advocacy. Advocacy uh, that yeah, word. I got gotcha. you. Uh, thank you. And uh, <laughs> I, I, yeah, I love that. Bumper sticker made me laugh for like 20 minutes. Yeah. That was a goofy little kid. Anyway, and BuzzFeed is my favorite. Yeah, oh, nice. Quick plug there. BuzzFeed. Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> About you. Come on. Yeah. Well, no, we, we got time for plugs. Yeah. Um, uh, no, Echo, I would say, I would say I, it's a, it depends on your perspective on life. Yeah. Uh, but I think he saved me. Yeah. Even though he'd probably argue that I saved him. Yeah. He's probably was he going to the death chamber? Or yeah. Right. No, he was um in the street in the middle of the street. Um, wow. And he was uh definitely, you know, he had fleas and stuff, and he was uh, you know, like little patches of hair missing and everything. Like oh. he was just a little dirt ball. And uh, my and my boss was like, um, you know, do you want to watch? Like we found you know, she found him on the way to work, or we, uh, we found him at work, and she was like, hey, do you want to watch him? And I was like, okay, yeah, I'll watch them for the weekend. But I'm allergic to dogs, especially dog saliva. Um, and I was, yeah. what? Yeah, there was. We did like a allergy test, you know, <laughs> uh, like when I was a kid, and it said that dog saliva and cat hair were like the two most allergic things. I dog was. saliva. Yeah. So you can't lick you. What's the point of having a yeah. dog if they can't lick you? Well, here's the weirdest thing. You talk about how genetic code can't change. Yeah, I did. I did. Um, say. He licks me all the time, and I have no reaction. Um, like a mutant. Maybe you are changing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, my, my neighbor's cat, I get a runny nose, but I don't, my skin doesn't break out. Uh-huh. Um, so my, the, the degrees of my uh, allergies are, seem to be a little different. And, and sometimes I hear that change with age too. So that could just be that. And aneurysms. And aneurysms cross, could yeah, help could out. Change the whole thing. Um, but Echo, uh, what I got him the, I got him the day before Thanksgiving in 2011 is when I found him. And then, um, and then I went, I kept him here, gave him a flea bath and everything. And he just slept on the floor. He didn't really come near me. Didn't really, you know, hang out with me that much. And I was, and I, so I planned to just hang out with him over the weekend and bring him into work. And someone at work was going to take him. And uh, and then the next day, I went to Thanksgiving at my friend's house, uh, Ryan at Golden Apple Comics. <laughs> <Jeez>. <laughs> I know. Um, 
And uh, and I went to his house for Thanksgiving. They were nice enough to invite me over. Mention Seek Donnelly and receive twenty percent <laughs> off your next purchase. <laughs> Seriously, like if you if you want your name plugged on, on interviews, like just, yeah, just be my friend. Be friends with yeah. Seek. Don't worry, I'm gonna plug this show on yeah, my next you, thing. Please, yeah, yeah that's yeah. what I was gonna say. Yeah. God, I hope. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, um, I was on an unnamed podcast this weekend with it. <laughs> right. Um. So uh. So. So I went over to their house for Thanksgiving and I was worried about keeping him here because you know, he wasn't trained or anything. So I come home uh, like five hours later and when I open the door, he runs, jumps up at me and I catch him and then he comes up and just starts licking my face. Oh my God. And I was like, and I freaked out for a second because I was like, all right, here it goes. Like, yeah. I'm just going to die. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. I'm this, I survived an aneurysm, but a dog licked <laughs> yeah, to the face. This is how I'm going me. out. Yeah, right. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, <laughs> and I was so I was so ready, like this is gonna be the most embarrassing death ever, yeah. and and uh, and nothing happened. And then I, but I was so f- moved by the 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 emotion, like the, the like human I, emotion. You yeah, felt. I was I was consumed by happiness at that moment, and uh, and and it was nice to feel what I felt, you know, like blink up for once, like I wasn't crying or or, yeah. or laughing hysterically. Yeah. Um, and I was so moved by it that I was like, I think I'm gonna keep this dog. And then that night he ended up. He started off on the floor and then he crawled up in the bed with me and uh, like I bought him that little stool you see over there yeah. and he crawled up in the bed with me and slept under my arm like the whole night. Jesus. And I w- and then so the next morning I was like, yeah, I called my boss. I'm like, hey, I'm I'm going to keep this guy. <laughs> and so I took him out to make sure he didn't, you know, he got his shots and, and made sure he didn't have a chip in him and all that stuff. And after a strong legal battle, you were able to maintain <laughs> yeah. possession. Of <laughs> exactly. Um, and I, yeah, I just, and I fell in love with him and, and the doctor said it was good for me to have because it, it's unconditional love obviously yeah. the dog is yeah. like like i'm i'm the the best thing in its life you know so uh so having that all day every day is a good feeling to come home to but also my life has to be committed to routine mm-hmm. um i have to live in a perpetual state of groundhog's day uh, where i have to do pretty much the same thing every day at yeah. the same time like i have to eat at the same time uh, because the better the more i do it then the more instinctively i'm doing it as opposed to relying on my memory uh-huh. Um, so uh-huh. like, so I walk echo like certain memento. T- yeah. Right. You know, so like I, I commit guy, things with guy Pierce who I saw the other day, <laughs> Warner brothers lot. <laughs> right. Right. My he was having lunch with Christopher Nolan. Right. 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 Yeah. My good buddies. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. And wow, so, wow, so, wow, wow. so, so I have, yeah, I have to commit things to memory and I have to do pretty much the same thing every day. So my only exercise every day is when I walk him or if we play like in a park or something and then, um, and then I eat at certain times. So yeah, so I commit. I try to commit things to muscle memory or instinct mm. as opposed to full-on memory. Yeah, and I seem to be doing much better because I've gotten my life to a routine yeah. thanks to Echo. Brain-based memory. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, he's an adorable dog. I yeah, will he's tell you great. that. Yeah. Well, it's funny because people don't have animals don't realize like what that unconditional love feels like. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it's it's. I had a dog. That, I have two dogs, and the mm-hmm. second dog was very similar. Mm-hmm. I was at the pound, and he she had just came in, mm-hmm. and a friend of mine told me to hold her. And I was like, no, I'm not going to hold this dog. I already have a dog. I don't need this. Right. You know, I'm like, oh, no, help her through this thing. And the dog looks at me yeah. and, like, licks my face. Yeah. And it's like, you're, I was like, if you have a heart, Done. if yeah. you have a heart, which I do, mm-hmm. it was like, now the dog's, you know, four years later. The dog's right. like, yeah. I mean, it's just, it's a crazy feeling. And that's what therapy dogs are. They're really important to people in these types of situations. And I don't think you can really emphasize that enough. I mean, there's plenty of research that says that. Sure. Anyway, this isn't, a, this isn't an episode about uh, <laughs> therapy dogs, <laughs> but I'm glad that you have one. I mean, he's adorable. He, right? Yeah, he. Echo. Yeah, Echo. Yep. I don't know if it was based on the comic well, book character Echo. Someone, someone m- mentioned it because cause I wanted to name him Crypto originally. 
uh, Superman's dog. Yeah, oh, I know. Uh, yeah, right. And, uh, and Nick Cage would be very proud of you. Yeah, of course. And then I thought about that, and I was like, I don't want to make Nick Cage happy. <laughs> no, because um, he's my friend, and we yeah, hang out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, no, um, no, I. Uh, so I thought about crypto, but what I did was I just sat th- that day. I decided to keep them. The very next day when we woke up, we we're sitting. I was eating a bowl of cereal, and he was like chewing on dog food. Mm-hmm. And I just started calling him names to see what he would answer to. Because <laughs> like maybe he already has one. So I'm like, hey Bill, hey Ted, <laughs> hey Scruffles. Yeah, yeah, I just like just naming things and uh, yeah, I don't know. I was just yeah. like whatever. And, and I was like, uh, you know, um, hey meow meow. And <laughs> and he just like, he just like didn't respond. And then. Someone online said to name him Echo because I had written a, a self-published a book called Heaven's Echo uh-huh. before my aneurysm. Um, and so he was like, why don't you name him Echo? So then I turned and I go, Echo. And he turned and looked at me and I was like, okay. And then so then, so then when I was training him like to sit and walk, you know, like to sit and shake and all that stuff, I had to tell him things twice. And mm-hmm. I was like, oh, Echo fits perfectly then. Yeah. Cause I'm like, cause it's like, it's like, hey, sit sit and he would sit on the second sit <laughs> so it's like okay cool that's what you're going to respond to the second one so that, that is an echo yeah and if your name was pete you could have named him repeat I, and i would have right. bad joke <laughs> uh, so now i want to move into before we're out of time right. i really want to move into this other part of your life All which right. is uh, we could spend an hour talking about this right. talking about self-published books you wrote a book called rhino which mm-hmm. in the 24 hours i've read that in every other one of your works that's not true i didn't get a chance to read rhino <laughs> but i know a little bit about it yeah you were for a brief period of time a criminal informant is that is that correct? Oh Jesus, yeah, yeah, that, I was. Yeah, well, let's talk about that. That's burying the lead. Like that's. Yeah. Well, so what happened? How did you become a criminal informant, and how are you still alive? And is Seek your real name? Because I heard that it's not. <laughs> yeah. Is that true? Seek is not my birth name. Uh, Donnelly, <laughs> my last name is my birth last name. Uh, yeah. Um, uh, so yeah, well, from in uh, there was a point in my life where um, I was helping out a uh, a bondsman in South Carolina. Mm-hmm. Um, like, uh, you know, going to court with him and stuff like that and, and, and doing legal stuff and helping rehabilitate people that were on drugs and everything. And so going through this program and working with him, I, and I'm going to try to see, leave some names out so I don't get in trouble, hopefully. Yeah, don't get, I have a huge mafioso base. That okay, Co- yeah. Nostra loves <laughs> fascinating names. It only <laughs> takes one person to hear it. <laughs> um, and so what I did was I went to, um, uh, I, so then I, so through him I met, a couple uh, uh, cops and and uh, and detectives and stuff in Atlanta, and I and they needed, basically they needed a narc essentially, and and I offered to do it because one I wasn't really sure what I was doing with my life at that point, two so I, risking it seems like the perfect yeah <laughs> the next well move. I mean not to blame movies at all <laughs> yeah. but uh, but I was certainly a fan of stuff like Boondock Saints which had just come out oh. and obviously I've always had since I was a kid I've clearly always had this like this need to do something heroic, you mm-hmm. know, like to fight the bad guys. Like, I guess it's just like insanely ing- ingrained in my, my genetic makeup is uh, I, I will always stand up for either the little guy or stand up for against what I think is morally wrong. Mm-hmm. So it was pretty decent money depending on what kind of tips I gave. And uh, es- essentially what would happen was I had to live, I lived with like a, an ecstasy dealer and, and, um, and and other drugs that he was into but mostly ecstasy and there was a time at that point in atlanta where drugs were coming out from florida going up to the carolinas and going up north to virginia and new york and stuff and they were making pit stops in atlanta and there was a lot of a lot of drug trafficking going through there and i'm pretty sure still now to this day but but ecstasy was a big thing at that point and and so i essentially like even though these guys were doing bad things i became friends with them because i was like 
wow, okay, besides this one thing that society has deemed immoral, they're not bad people, or at least the ones I was hanging out with. Although there were some that I was afraid I wasn't going to make it home that night just by, you know, if I'm in the room with them at a club, it's like, I'm pretty sure I'm going to die. And then wow. after like... You got in too deep. A little too deep. Yeah. In, in a short amount of time too, that was the frustrating thing. Like I've always had, like back then especially, I had one of those personalities where like I, I was Irish, so like if someone said something... I would just punch them yeah. <laughs> and well, you and, have to. Yeah. And, but, 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 but that's what attracted them to like, Oh, I want this guy to be my friend was that negative uh, stuff mm. that I was doing. Okay. And so like, so I got in pretty quickly because it was like, Oh, this guy, it's clear. This guy's not a cop. And it's because I would just forget that. I, oh, I'm supposed to be a narc and I'm not supposed to punch people. Um, you're just a loose cannon. Yeah, I was just like... A, you were, you're like, you're like, a, it's like a lethal weapon. You're like Mel yeah. Gibson, a loose cannon. <laughs> and, and I would say even to an extent, like um, some of that time period probably led to the aneurysm too because uh, ecstasy has a reaction, like it, it leaves holes in your brain, you know, mm. it can over time. And I definitely wasn't not trying ecstasy. You weren't not trying. Yeah, it. right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you guys figure out if I said yeah, that right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and, uh, and, but what happened was in the end, I was given out, I started giving more tips away because I really just wanted out at that point. And I wanted to leave Atlanta and I didn't want anything to do with it. And then what happened was some of the tips I left led to some, some pretty solid arrests. And so it was, it allowed me the freedom to like, to jump Join out. the witness protection program. <laughs> yeah, not really <laughs> that, but, but yeah, but to, to get away. And, uh, and, and honestly, like I've made amends with some of those people, like, uh, but some of them have passed away too. So it's like, Oh, thank God. <laughs> <laughs> they were in quotes passed away yeah, and are, yeah. are being more protected than I was. Yeah. Um, and then I, and then, so I, from there I was like, well, what's, what's the safest I went back to South Carolina for a brief time to landscape and then I thought what could be the safest possible thing for me to do and my aunt who lived in Florida she offered me a job at Disney World and I was like well that's what I'm gonna go do now like I was like <laughs> I, I was like Disney World that sounds like no one's gonna find me in Disney World <laughs> you know and uh it there's is a movie yeah exactly and then I, I and then and that's kind of what Rhino is like Rhino is a little bit based off that point of my life uh just just magnified to a fictional level by a thousand. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Every nerdy thing you did is all of a sudden the coolest thing in the world. <laughs> yeah, That's no, it was, yeah. Creative license, they call it. Yeah, exactly. Um, all right, we're going to touch on one more thing. Okay. Um, well, actually, we'll a couple before we get into your projects, which okay. I, I really want to hit those hard. Okay. Uh, you mentioned something in... In someone else's interview. That's what this is. That's all yeah. this is. Who is uh, it? I'd love to name them. Uh, is no, it Fanboy I'm Comics? Not, is not, it? Not, I'm not saying another <laughs> word. Uh, you said that after your aneurysm, I'm going to call you out. This, this is a show about calling people out. All right. And you, you got it. Uh, you said that you were, um, your sexuality was kind of dissolved in a way. Mm -hmm. And you're more asexual now mm -hmm. than like sexual. Right. Explain that. Because if I wasn't sex, I would love to have the freedom to not think about that all the time. <laughs> yeah. That I could just like be, I'd be so much more productive and creative, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So how does that, well, first of all, explain it to me. And second yeah. of all, tell me how it's an advantage, arguably right. a superpower. Yeah. Well, um, well so the basic explanation is when I, when I first got out and I, I, I was learning about life and things again, the birds and the bees. Yeah. Um, I, I, family show. Yeah, there, this was there was interest there. I was like, oh, that's that sounds kind of lovely, you know, yeah. like having sex. Yeah. Um, and then so I there was a when I moved back out here, there was a couple, there was a two girls that I mean, obviously months apart, different times. Where <laughs> oh yeah, uh, yeah 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 of course yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no I wasn't that hours yeah yeah, not, yeah right yeah no it wasn't like that um but they were 
there were girls I liked before I, mm. I moved, you know, like I w- went back home while I was recuperating. And, uh, and so it was me re like reigniting that friendship and maybe more. And so we got physical and although it was nice and stuff. In a I, nice way. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She was punching the crap out of me <laughs> yeah. and I was like, not in the head. Um, <laughs> no. She, uh, so what happened was I noticed that even though it may have felt good and everything, it was, a. Uh, it, it didn't el- really elicit any emotions out of me. Uh, there was a, there was like a, a, a hollowness and, mm. and it, it made me a little scared because I had recently watched Dexter, uh, who had a similar problem when he was having sex with the girl in that show. Yeah. Uh, he was saying how it, it, he felt nothing. Yeah. That's what's going through my mind backed into this corner. Right yeah. Now. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I, so I got really afraid of like, Oh my God, like it, did I get reset to a serial killer? Right. Cause I, cause I've heard sto- stories about people who had brain surgery and, and aneurysms and, like one guy was caught with a bunch of uh, like uh, underage material on his computer and he didn't know it was a wrong thing. That was the thing. His brain got reset. Ah. He thought he, I mean, to him, he was as the same age as those, the, the kids he was like downloading pictures oh, of. And so it was like, I've heard of horror stories like that. And I'm like, man, think about the awful luck of surviving aneurysm and then becoming like a pedophile, yeah. you know? And so like, I'm like, well, then I got really scared. So I thought it was best to stay away from it for at first. And then I learned through like talking to doctors and talking out with, with people who have degrees in this stuff um, and then friends is that uh, really what it is is I'm just asexual. And mm-hmm. so like, and just like, even though I've went, I went on a few dates uh, after that with girls and I even went on two dates with a guy yeah. and I just, just to see like, oh, maybe I'm gay. You know? Yeah, let's you know? see what happens. Like, like, yeah, I mean, I may, I, my brain's been reset. Like maybe I'm just a gay guy now. And uh, <laughs> and I went and tried, like try, went on a date and like, we didn't like, you know, do anything physical, but it was like, yeah. okay, I'm, I'm, I didn't feel anything there. The same. I didn't feel like with women. Wow. So then I just thought, okay, well I'll just, and I don't wake up. Like my, my friend joked, he's like, do you wake up like, you know, excited? And I'm like, no, like I don't have that. No boners. No, no. <laughs> I mean, I, I won't say I don't, I, I can't get one. Yeah. Um, I just, um, it's just, I, I don't wake up with like morning wood or something. Wow. Uh, yeah. Oh, so, and awesome. it's not on my mind. And so that's, so the advantage part is the fact that because it's not on my mind, like a lot of guys think about it. I think they there was some survey that showed guys think about it like sixty percent of the day or some craziness yeah. like that. That's so, all freed up for you. Yeah, that that's sixty percent right. of your day freed up, freed up, and focused on what matters to me, what makes me happy, which is like you know doing creative stuff, like editing comics for awesome comics, or or like writing comics, like you know like uh, you know all that stuff, like creating art for Elon Vital, like all these things I can do only because all that brain power is freed up. And and so that's the advantage. And the way I look at it is it's like that Seinfeld episode where, where George Costanza gives up sex yeah. and he's like super smart at everything. Yeah. And, yeah, and I'm like, I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm George 2.0 from that episode, you know? <laughs> yeah. um, just going four years strong now. So it's like, so that's why I feel also I'm doing so well from a mobile standpoint and, and, and thinking level is because I've my brain has now adapted to that new level of uh, of freeness and so now i'm able to take my mind to creative places that i might not have before my aneurysm all right so i'm just going to sum you up really quickly (laughs) so you 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 had a traumatic experience as a child Mm -hmm. superman outfit Mm -hmm. essentially your origin story where you became good and you fought against evil right you go through that you you have an aneurysm that changes your life where it, and then you take on an experimental project like Wolverine and you go through a, a process mm-hmm. that alters you. Mm-hmm. You're touched by the supernatural. Mm-hmm. 
you lose your, uh, your your need for sex. Right. Essentially transforming you into the oracle or some other kind of historian. Right. Uh, where your your creativity and attention is hyper focused mm -hmm. to a level that allows you to be immensely successful. You are a superhero. And and I forgot the most the, the best part. You struggled to you you took another job in a completely different field mm -hmm. in order to um, you recalibrate the line between good and bad, like a superhero, right. uh, came out of that, right. and now you're here in a whole different focus. Yeah, that sums it up, you're I guess. A, you're a superhero, man. <laughs> you should That's write a flattering. comic book. Yeah, you, you, you have an origin story. <laughs> like, it's the craziest thing in the world. Yeah. A comic book guy who is a comic walking comic book. Yeah. I'll take it. All right. Well, <laughs> you should make it your next project. But let's talk about your let's talk about your current projects. All right. You also have a podcast, which mm -hmm. I think is a brilliant idea. Uh, thanks. It, it's called Real Conversations with Fake People. Right. And why, why don't you tell me what you do? Uh, well, the the, fo the the theory on that show was that I, because I live in these fictitious worlds, these comic book worlds, I I want to talk to these characters like they're real people. And so, I there's a lot of actors, comedians, people out here in LA that are looking to do projects to get their voices out there, to get their talent out there. And I thought, why not combine those two things and try to create a cool podcast where I get to talk to the thing from the Fantastic Four, for example. Yeah. You know, name drop. And in uh, and a great, a great <laughs> podcast. And these are actors pretending yeah. to be fictional characters. Right. They do a great job. Yeah, I, I like it. I mean, like, and everyone brings their own flair. Like, I tell them, like, hey, I know Michael Chiklis has played the thing. But don't be Michael Chiklis. Mm -hmm. You know, be Joe as the thing. Yeah. You know, or be uh, Jody as Jill Valentine from Resident Evil. Yeah. Like, like don't don't like look at the interpretations that were done before. But just like pretend you're coming. And a lot of these guys are coming to these characters fresh. Like they're you know like a lot of actors out here in LA that get movies that they get X Men roles or, or Superman mm -hmm. roles or whatever. They didn't read the comics, so they're like, oh, tell me about this character. And like yesterday, I'd recorded uh, my friend Victor played Lex Luthor. You oh, know, cool. and it was great because the whole interview, I just was like Lex Luthor and that's and also it lets me flex my my passion, which is I want to write these characters for a mm -hmm. living. Like mm -hmm. I'd love to work at Marvel or DC. Mm -hmm. um, I love these characters so much. So it's it's also me training for that job, hopefully one day. And so I got to write dialogue for Lex Luthor. And I thought, well, Lex Luthor would never let me interview him. Right. You know, like that's he's true, yeah. he's a jerk. Like he, and, and, and he would say all my facts are wrong, too. <laughs> <laughs> and so, so when I, so in the interview, like you'll, you'll hear is I go, I go, oh, so you first appeared in Action Comics 23. And he goes, what, what book did Superman first appear? And I go, Action Comics number one. He goes, well, that's not true. And he goes, I showed up before Superman, you know, and, <laughs> and, and, and that's kind of how the interview went. And I'm yeah. like, well, that's kind of fun to, to like find a, a version of these characters that makes me happy, but also who I think is true to the character. Yeah. Um, so no, I, yeah, I'm, I'm glad you kind of dig it because that's I don't, great. I don't think I got a lot of listeners, but I, I, it is definitely a labor of love and I, and I love doing it. Well, it's one of those things that will catch on. Uh, I mean, it's just too great of an idea. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, I mean, it's all in the execution, and I think it's it's executed well. You know, I mean, there's lots of brilliant... I, I heard this once. I couldn't believe I heard this. It changed my life, though, when I did. Um, that there, Hollywood is filled, you know, in the world, too, is filled with great ideas. But it doesn't matter, because they can be crap. It's all in the execution. Right. And a great idea, even a good idea executed well, is better than a great idea executed poorly. Absolutely. And I think that this is uh, a great idea executed very well. And I think you'll get listeners. It's too fun of an idea. Thank you. Um, and so you also, so you, you know, despite your um, inability to draw or uh, you, but you're able to write, mm -hmm. you've, you've done lots of comic books mm -hmm. since your annual. Yeah. Uh, the most notable 
I think, is Soul Star. Yeah. Where you had you broke a Guinness Book of World Records with this thing, yeah. Oh yeah, but not for long. Uh, someone beat us right after. What a dick. I know, but you know what? That's okay because the fact that we were even in the running and had our moment is like really cool to me. And we're gonna do Soul Star too next year in 2015. Yeah. And we're gonna destroy that record. So so who beat it? Uh, this, there's these guys in, uh, Phoenix, uh, they, uh, we were actually at the comic convention. They did it at, and what they did was they just had, they found like, cause all the people there in one spot. So they just had a day where they go, all right, on Saturday, everyone draw one panel of a story. And so they had like a hundred artists or 200 artists or no, it was a hundred, I think a hundred and like eight artists uh, all drew one panel. So it definitely didn't have the production value of soul star. Yeah. Like I take very great, like I wouldn't have done that half asked. And I think that's what these guys did just to have the record. And I'm like, that's fine. That, you know, but at the end of the day, I feel like I have a good book Yeah. also yeah. as opposed to just a Guinness record holder. Yeah. And, and I honestly say that their book sucks ass. And <laughs> how many of the proceeds are going to, they any, go to nothing. Not any charity? They go to nothing. And yours, how much of it goes to the... the well, I, we're, we're going to get up on Amazon very soon. That's been like a really uphill struggle. So yeah. pretty much... 100% of whatever we make on Amazon will go to the Aneurysm Foundation. Wow, 100%. Um, yeah, like, I mean, the, the, like the, the book sells and Amazon takes like their 40% or whatever, and then the 60% that we get left over will go straight to Aneurysm. I'm, I'm trying to set up an account for, with them that it just goes right to them. Wow. So in Soul Star, I want people to check this Soul Star. It'll yeah. be on Amazon. 60% of the proceeds are going to the Aneurysm Foundation because Amazon has to take their cut. Yeah, but that's okay because being on Amazon is, I have friends that, sell hand sell their stuff at conventions and all year they may sell like 500 books but on amazon they could sell 500 in like three months without paying booth costs and all that stuff yeah. so amazon is definitely like it's the king of, you know they're the king of the hill like it's it's, yeah. it's awesome being up on amazon yeah no that's true um so you, and, and so a couple other things really quickly because you're kind of blowing up right now you're kind of like <laughs> you're everywhere so yeah. you're the um the hollywood reporters kind of like go-to nerd for any kind of comic book related movie or TV show and there's lots of them now I yeah exactly there's I, I am and I it's it's not I haven't heard officially if I'm gonna be brought back to do all those shows although I hope I am yeah um, but yeah I got to do agents of shield and I got to do write up a whole dossier on like the background so people who yeah. never don't know the characters could read that and then watch the show and I did the same thing for arrow which was awesome because I'm a big Oliver Queen fan and I actually, the show was awesome. So yeah. it was cool to do. Yeah, I would love to do that for Gotham and Constantine and, you know, and, and Peggy Carter's show. Like, yeah. I, yeah, I would love, to, I mean, yeah, if anyone at Hollywood Reporter is listening. I, got, yeah. <laughs> I love my job. I would love it. Uh, and so you, and you, you just did like a, a whole marathon session with NPR yesterday. They're going to feature you. Yeah. Uh, you've been on Dan Harmon's podcast, um, The Nerdist, yeah, Mad Nerdist. Dwyer, like yeah. all over the place. Yeah. I'm very lucky. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. I mean, I'm, it's a lot of success, you know, right around the same time. Yeah. It's, I would say, I mean, I would say it was, I would be lying if I said it wasn't, at least I didn't try to plan it that way. Yeah. Um, although things like you and NPR came out of left field. Yeah. You know, so it's like, I, I try to, like, I'm, I, you know, I learned marketing kind of by selling comics at Golden Apple. And then I got hired by, I got pulled away from Golden Apple by Top Cow. Um, a, a really great guy over there named Matt Hawkins like saw something in me mm -hmm. and was like this kid is he has something something mm -hmm. that comics may be missing nowadays um, so I'm going to hire him you know as a marketing person see what he can do 
And although I didn't do great in my opinion, like I, I mean, <laughs> honestly, because I was learning the he's whole like, time. What did I see in this kid? Yeah, I mean, I think he. I mean, he he liked having me around. He's he's a good guy and he's a good teacher. Mm-hmm. And and it's good to have those. Like if you're if you want to be something in the industry, you have to find good teachers and you have to listen. You know, you, um, and 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 so he was a really great teacher and he taught me a lot of things I knew. And then those, unfortunately those weren't things I could apply in time during the time I was working at Top Cow, but they are things that I'm taking with me in my current life. So I, I plan things out. I go, okay, if I'm, I have a new Kickstarter and Dan was like, you know, Dan and Dustin Marshall who produces the show was like, you know, do you want to come and talk about it on the show? And I go, well, only I do, but I don't want to be like a plug kind of guy on Harmontown. Harmontown to me isn't about that. It's about people opening up. So I said, but it does this, Alain Vital, it relates to what I'm going through health-wise. So why don't we use that as the springboard? And then I'll just mention at the end, Alain Vital. And so because I did that, that was the right amount of press. Then we hired a publicist for my new comic book coming out, uh, Monomyth, and he got us the Nerdist. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that got us on something else. And then we're going to be featured coming up. I don't know if I can say where it's going to be, but it's definitely a major source mm-hmm. um and then also we've had news programs like fox news reach out to me um I thought you said news programs yeah i'm sorry <laughs> i mean sorry no, fox I, news. <laughs> that's my slam that's that. not seek slam he that's my that. slam yeah, i said news program. former employee disgruntled <laughs> former fox employee um and so and obviously because the subject matter of monomyth it's very controversial to people who would watch fox yeah. so it's it's i'm sure i'll get reamed but it's yeah. like hey I'll take I'll take it, you know. No, th- and um, if that's I I I was lucky enough to get a the first issue and it's yeah. it's pretty amazing. Oh, did you it's like a, it? I loved it. Yeah, it's oh, right good. on my alley. Um I love the kind of stuff cuz it deals with some religion. Right. Um you know kind of a retelling of the Eden story. Right. Uh I, I liked it. I liked it a lot. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I was really looking forward to the next episode. So uh, cool. We'll, yeah. call, we'll call them issues in the comic book world, but sure. episodes nonetheless. Um uh, but yeah, so so I I yeah, and then all of a sudden like because I was on Harmontown, uh, this really great girl named Alana wrote me an email the day before you wrote me an email and said, hey, I heard you on Harmontown and I'd love to interview you for NPR. And I'm like, oh, wow, okay. And I go, she's like, can I just come over next week and do it? I'm like, sure. And then the very next day you email me and go, hey, I'm looking for a comic book historian. Your name popped up. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, how did this guy hear of me? And then yeah. and I'm just like, and it, and so yeah, it, it's, it's clear that my name and my story has gotten out there to more people. And I kind of like that because, you know, to warn people ahead of time, I hope to use those interviews and stuff to get word out there on stuff like aneurysms, you know, yeah. because I want people talking about that. Um, and, but at the same time, I, I like that. Uh, I get to talk about nerdy stuff too. It's really cool. Yeah. And we've kind of covered the whole thing here. Yeah. So anything else you want to plug? Feel for this is plug time, man. This plug is time, plug city? time, plug city. All right. Well, my friend, uh, so-and-so always, no, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, I would say if you, if you want to find more about me, like you can go to seekdonnelly.com, you know, S I I K E. D-O-N-N-E-L-L-Y. Um, you can, if you want to check out some of the comic stuff, I work for Awesome Comics. Uh, that's O-S-S-M comics.com. And you can follow us on Twitter at Awesome Comics. And you can follow me on Twitter at Exploding Bullet. And, um, you know, other than that, I mean, I just, I try to do a lot of local stuff. Uh, with my book coming out, I'm going to try to do signings at, you know, various different stores here in L.A. Um, it, but if you're ever interested in, in, in checking out my stuff if you, or if you want to ask me a question, if you're going through a tough time, you know, aneurysm yourself or know someone, you could just find me on social media and I, I love making new friends. 
And you can, if you want to do an interview with him, just email him. He's really <laughs> yeah. excited to do any interview. It's crazy. It's really weird. Um, I wanted one quick, I'm going to, this is my fault. Okay. Uh, Kevin Eastman. Oh, yeah. Of Eastman and Laird. You may know, is it Laird? Is yeah. Is that properly? Yeah. Um, I was a big comic, uh, Ninja Turtle fan when I was a kid. So when I saw that, and you mentioned it a lot, yeah. pretty cool. Yeah. So, yeah, Soul Star, I got, I got to not only get a piece of art like Kevin Eastman drew the cover of Soul Star one, yeah. one of the covers it was the retailer exclusive cover yeah. um, but not only did he do that but then he contacted me and said you know what I want to do more like I, I think you're a good kid and I, I want to help out more he goes I understand you're struggling with drawing because at this point I was really bad at drawing um, still trying to get back to it he says what can you draw and I go well right now I'm learning faces and he says why don't you draw a character and then I will ink it and add a background and we'll make another cover out of it, like a really rare cover. Mm. And I said, that would be amazing. So I drew Soulstar's wife because she wasn't getting enough cover love on mm. all the covers. And I was like, I want to give this character some love. So, uh, and they, in the story, they meet in Shibuya Square, which is, I, I, will, I always want to go to uh, Japan and Tokyo. It's like my last thing on my bucket list. Um, and so I drew, we drew her in Shibuya Square with a Christmas tree behind her. Um, on Christmas Day, which is when she meets Soulstar. So it's kind of like we drew a memory for him um, on the cover. Wow. And having Kevin Eastman draw with me was like, yeah, there's nothing cooler than that, man. Like, Yeah, well, I, you know, I know you have difficulty with boners, but that would give you <laughs> a boner. Am I right? Gave my brain a boner. You gave your brain a boner. And man. I ha actually, if you... You have a picture of the I, boner? <laughs> yeah, I have a picture of the boner. No, the picture is actually right here next to me. Uh, this image. I know your readers can't see they it. They can't see that. I'm yeah. gonna, I'll put it up on the website. All right, cool. Um, all right, so we're out of time. Last plug for us. Uh, first time, we're going to do a fascinating noun extension where I'm going to kind of mash up former guests and we're going to do an, an interactive online live performance, essentially. Uh, this one's going to be about comic book matchups with this mashup with Seek Donnelly and Dr. Michael Denon. We're going to do this on Thursday. This coming Thursday, well, depends on when you're listening to this. Hopefully you'll listen to this when it comes out. So Thursday, June 12th, June 12th at 8 p.m. <laughs> I'm a pro. Do this professionally, guys. Don't try this at home. June 12th, 8 p.m., live show. I think it's going to be really fun. Seek and I have been working on some matchups, and uh, it's going to be great, man. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, all right, that is all the time we have. Seek, thanks, man, for being here. Thanks, thanks for, for taking me. time out. Of course. And um, thanks to everyone for listening, and have a great night.